I'm Stephen Baxter, and this is Santa Cruz Local. There's a housing shortage in Santa Cruz, but not everyone agrees on how and where new housing should be built. How many affordable units should there be in a new development? When new housing comes with new shops and restaurants, how does that affect a neighborhood? We saw these questions play out Thursday night at the Santa Cruz Planning Commission meeting. The topic of the discussion? A planned development across the street from the Dream Inn. The proposal calls for a four-story building at Westcliff Drive and Bay Street. There would be 89 condominiums, 10 of those would be affordable. There would also be two levels of underground parking and ground-level commercial space like shops and a few places to eat. Kara Myberg-Guzman, you were at the meeting on Thursday. What was it like? Well, first off, it was at Santa Cruz City Hall, and the chambers were packed. There were more than 200 people there. Um, several of them were holding signs opposing the project. There were people there from Clearview Court, the mobile home park that's next door to the site. I actually live about a half mile from the Dream Inn, and I saw a lot of my neighbors there. Many of them were holding signs demanding a full environmental review of the project. So are neighbors mostly opposed to the project? There's definitely a lot of people in my neighborhood who don't want the project. They're concerned about traffic that the project would bring. Like you said, the project's supposed to have eateries and shops. Neighbors are worried that tourist traffic that we see down by the wharf and the boardwalk will creep up the hill toward the Dream Inn. There's already a lot of traffic around the Dream Inn, especially on summer beach days. Some people who spoke during public comment got emotional about the scale of the project. A traffic study said you could expect about 1,500 new vehicle trips per day near the project. Here's Westside resident Sue Dirksen. 1,500 extra people a day? Excuse me. I've sat for an hour on that corner on a weekend trying to get drive-through. I've been on a bus, which was 45 minutes late because it couldn't get through. How in the heck are you telling me all these people crossing West Cliff and then driving in and out from Bay are going to get through? This is unrealistic for the, this part of Santa Cruz. Build, yes, but not on our coast, not on our way of life in West Side Santa Cruz. Clearview Court neighbors are especially concerned about noise. There were some people who said they didn't like that older trees were being removed. Was there anyone who spoke in favor of the project? I was actually kind of surprised by the number of people who spoke in favor of the project. I didn't tally the numbers, but I'd estimate that it was more than a quarter of people who spoke. Here's Andrew Paulini. He lives in the Santa Cruz Mountains and is studying to be a teacher. And he says he wants to be able to afford to live in Santa Cruz. He said he's conflicted because he likes the housing, but doesn't like the commercial part of it. If we don't build housing here, the thing is, where else are we going to build it? Because it seems like every time I've been to Planning Commission meetings in Santa Cruz, I've been to them in Scotts Valley, and even one in San Jose. And it seems like whenever we try to build somewhere, build higher density, or even just like higher density somewhere to like make it so we can fit more people into a smaller space, like maybe make things a little bit more affordable by adding a little bit more to the housing supply, Everybody who is in the neighborhood just comes out at once and says, no, we don't want it here. And that's really the problem. So no matter what, there's always going to be all these people around it who say, no, we don't want it here. But we got to have it somewhere. So the people who spoke in support of the project basically said, we need more housing. Those supporters included people from the West Side. 
Tell us about the potential impact on traffic with this project. So yeah, traffic is one of the main concerns of neighbors. Last night, the city staff said that they recommend a roundabout at the corner of Bay and Westcliff. Right now, there's a three-way stop sign there. So there's two options, either a roundabout or a traffic signal, and it's going to be up to the city council to decide. The staff said either way, whether it's a roundabout or a signal, it's going to be better than what's there now. It'll improve the traffic. The reason why they're recommending a roundabout is because there's less greenhouse gases. People won't be stopped there. Um, the traffic will be flowing slower through that intersection, and so would it would be safer. Did they describe the condos themselves? Yeah, so it would be a mix of one, two, and three-bedroom condos. We don't know the prices yet. But on Thursday, we heard from Tyson Sales, who represents the developer, Cliff Bay Partners, and Ensemble Investments. Cliff Bay Partners is affiliated with Ensemble, which has owned the Dream Inn since 2006. Sales said it's just an estimate, but the cost of a one-bedroom affordable unit will be around $142,000. What was the Planning Commission's take? So the Planning Commission approved the project. They made a couple small changes, but nothing that will significantly impede the project, as far as I can tell. Like, for example, they required that the property management company come up with a traffic management plan to make sure that on-site the traffic flows well. So now the fate of the project is up to the city council to decide, and that hearing is scheduled for no earlier than late September. Okay, so one more thing you should know is that the developer is taking advantage of the state's density bonus law. Basically, it's a tool that cities can use to get more affordable housing. The deal is that the developer gets to build more units than zoning would normally allow, but the developer has to agree to either build more affordable units or make units available to people with the lowest levels of income. Here, in this case, the zoning allows for 66 units at the site. The developer is actually getting 89 units, more than the zoning allows. And in return, the developers agreed to make eight units available to people with very low incomes. The idea is that the developer is going to lose money with the very low income housing. So they can make up the loss with the added market rate housing. As you know from our previous episodes, the city is way behind on its development goals for people with very low incomes. It's something that cities across the state are struggling with. Okay, so another perk for the developer. The zoning allows for a 36-foot height. As part of the density bonus law, the developer gets to build to 47 feet. That's because the city determined that there's no other way that the project could fit those 89 units on that site. They had to build up. So just so you can imagine it, you know those white condos on the other side of Bay Street? Those are about the same height as the proposed project, four stories. What was the planning commissioner's vote? The vote was three to two. The commissioners who voted against the project were Andy Schifrin and Miriam Greenberg. Both said that the 10 units of affordable housing in the project were just not enough and the city should be requiring more. The commissioners who voted for the project were Greg Pepping, Julie Conway, and Peter Spellman. 
Robert Singleton recused himself because he had campaigned in favor of the project a few months ago, and he chose to recuse himself even though he legally wasn't required to. Commissioner Christian Nielsen was absent from the meeting. Tell us more about the environmental review. That's something that neighbors were concerned about, right? Yeah, so there were several people in the audience who opposed the project. They wanted the city to do more environmental analysis. They were asking for a full environmental impact report, or an EIR. Things they want a deeper study of. Traffic, noise, air pollution, and a geology study, since the project has underground parking. So to be clear, the city has already done these types of studies. They did what's called a tiered or streamlined EIR. These tiered EIRs are pretty common. They're slightly less rigorous than a full EIR. So in a nutshell, the city decided that the full EIR that was performed for the city's general plan was enough to cover this project. So only a tiered EIR was needed. One interesting statistic that was brought up Thursday how much of the work of a full EIR was done here? About 90 to 95%, according to Stephanie Strilo, an environmental consultant hired by the city. The law limits cities from requiring a full EIR if all the reports determine that it's not needed. So I think it would be unlikely and unusual if the city were to now ask for a full EIR. Do you get a sense as to whether the council will approve the project? Well, council members Chris Crone and Drew Glover have said that they have problems with the project. I'm not sure on the stances of the rest of the council. But one thing I'll be watching for, there was one interesting idea that was brought up by Planning Commissioner Andy Schifrin on Thursday. He floated a plan to apply the city's 15% affordable housing requirement to the bonus units as well. Basically, that would mean requiring 13 affordable units instead of 10. The state's policy is that local governments can only apply their affordable housing requirements to what's zoned, not to the density bonus units. But Schifrin said he thought that there was case law where that could be challenged. Planning Commissioner Julie Conway, who is also the housing manager for Santa Cruz County, said she disagrees. Cities across the state, including Santa Cruz, used to do it that way, layering the affordable housing requirement on top of the density bonus, but no developers took advantage of the bonus. And this move of adding density bonus on top of inclusionary units has been found repeatedly to actually discourage the creation of housing. So I am concerned that um, in, in making a move, uh, I think it's really risky I feel, I feel certain that we will lose as a city if we take this move. It will delay the project, and um, contrary to its intention of creating additional affordable housing, um, it won't do that, and it'll just make the project harder to build. So Schifrin's idea didn't have enough votes on Thursday. Only Greenberg was in support. We'll be watching to see if Schifrin's idea resurfaces when the project comes before city council. We'll keep you posted on that. One more thing I'll say is that if you'd like a play-by-play -play of Thursday's meeting, follow us on Twitter at the SC Local. I live tweeted the meeting. There's a little bit of inside baseball stuff on there for those of you who want more details.
Before we go, we want to encourage you to stay up to date on what we're doing with Santa Cruz Local. Sign up for our free newsletter. It's at santacruzlocal.org. On there, you'll find pertinent agenda items now for government meetings. This is a new feature we have, and the idea is to get you watching and involved. You can also find out more about how you can support local journalism on our website, santacruzlocal.org. Learn more about us, our company, our principles, and our memberships in our new mini-series, Meet Santa Cruz Local. You can find those episodes on our website at santacruzlocal.org or wherever you found this podcast. I'm Stephen Baxter. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.